A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, World Game Changers. Welcome back to this World Game Changers podcast episode. And I am absolutely delighted to be introduced and joined first and foremost by a lady known as Kristen Johnson, a World Game Changers director. Kristen, very warm welcome to you. I want to say mom, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) And very ably accompanied uh, or company in, shall I say, Kristen, is t- a gentleman called Tim Eby, all from, also from the United States of America. And Tim, um, maybe, I hope I'm not embarrassing you here, Tim, when I say the word expert, um, around the, the, the subject, the topic of inclusion. So irrespective, Tim, very, very welcome, welcome to you. Well, thanks, Paul. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm an expert by any means, but I think, uh, I think we... Uh, we approach this subject with our hearts to begin with, um, and and I think we've got to follow our hearts and follow our head um, to think about what inclusion really means. So um, I, I'm not an expert by any means, um, but I, I certainly believe uh, in in all aspects of what inclusion is is really all about. And what a beautiful, what an absolutely superb segue there, Tim. Inadvertently, maybe you didn't know that, but because uh, I was going to start proceedings before I hand over to Kristen to start the dance, the metaphoric dance between you two guys. What is this word inclusion? It's, you know, it's just a simple one. What is it? I, I think at times it's overthought, um, but for me at least, it really comes down to the idea of belonging. Um, for me, uh, it's, it's about the idea that, uh, if you're recognized, if you're rewarded, if you're respected in whatever aspect of, of, uh, of your role is, whether it's in your work life or your personal life, um, it's, it's belonging and feeling welcome, um, that I think is key to this. I think the term inclusion might be, uh, might scare people in some ways, but in in my mind, it really is about the idea of of being a part and welcome into something and being connected in that way. Uh, so that's I mean that's how I view the term. Um, and and I think there's a, such a power in believing in the idea that we all deserve to be belonging in uh, in our world and in, in our aspects. And so often. Um, I mean, obviously, the opposite of inclusion is exclusion, and and I think uh, and I think belonging overcomes that. Uh, if you belong to whatever uh, role you're in, um, you're welcome, and people are accepting who you are, no matter who you are. Mm. Kristen, just before you come in, I just want to offer this quote from Sadhguru, and for me, it really epitomizes it. Love is longing to include someone as part of yourself. It is a possibility Mm. to become more than what you are by inclusion. Mm. 
kind of sums it up for me. And I suppose we'll all yeah. have our own take on what it is. At this point, Kristen, what's your take? Well, my take is, I, Tim, I love that suggestion that inclusion means belonging because we all do want to belong. We want to belong. We want to feel seen. We want to feel heard. We want to feel understood. We want to feel safe. We want to feel supported. And also, we want to grow. And that inclusiveness provides a space for us to grow. And in that sense, in that in that vein, I'd like you to talk about your work with your foundation and how you approach this inclusion and belonging through your work with the young people the and helping young people uh, approach life who are neurodiverse and who have different gifts as i as i like to put it and who who need that belonging but i think all young people need that belonging and especially with the rampant crisis that we've had over the last few years with so many things with cyberbullying with the pandemic uh w with kids not being able to interact in person with so many of the challenges that that we see so i think that all kids need that support and love but some kids just need it more need that sense of belonging so i'd like you to talk about your work what are you tell me more about your work tim sure <clears throat> um i have been in this role as the executive director of the special education foundation for a little more than a year um and i come to the job um with a passion for helping kids and people with disabilities um in, in many ways because of my own personal experience i have three daughters um, my oldest daughter uh, is is what you would describe as neurotypical, but she is a special education teacher. Uh, she currently works at an at a, uh, in an elementary school in Ohio, and um, and found the passion for this work. I think because of her two sisters, um, our two the, our two younger daughters um, are on the autism spectrum, and and so uh, for my own personal experience, having uh, raised daughters um uh in this world uh I, I certainly have an understanding uh a little bit uh about uh about the world of uh, uh of, of neurodiversity in that sense uh but you know what we do at the special education foundation is help uh, all children with disabilities whether it's uh, uh a child that's on the autism spectrum or uh or a physical disability uh we uh provide uh, funding for uh, kids to get hearing aids or eyeglasses if they uh, have the financial need to do that. Um, one of the major programs that we do is to provide adaptive and assistive equipment for uh, for students and for young people. Uh, and that can be just, and, and in essence, what our goal is, uh, and I'll, I'll go into a few of the other things that we do, but really what our goal is, is to create the independence uh, for a student to be able to succeed in school and outside the classroom. Um, and I think that's uh, the, the best measure of success for us is, is if we can provide the support for a student so that they, uh, at the time they leave school, um, can move on to life and succeed in life, then we have uh, we have done our part working in partners partnership with the school districts that we serve and, and support. Um, the uh, area that we serve 
is St. Louis County, Missouri, which uh, and they and there's a special school district set up that provides special ed services for the entire county, which uh, includes about 24,000 students that the school district serves. Now, we don't serve each one of those students. We we work towards trying to serve the students most in need. Um, but we do that with uh, a variety of different things. I mentioned the hearing aids and the adaptive and assistive equipment. Um, but we also provide um, we also provide uh, critical needs uh, at times when families need help or a student needs help. Uh, we help uh, provide uh, food baskets, for example, to overcome food insecurity when students are on uh, breaks from school uh, because so often uh, school breakfasts and lunches are the best meal that a student can have during the school year. And uh, and when school is out, those students need help and we provide support in that sense. Um, we also, uh, one of the things, and we can get into this conversation, I think, a little later when we get really talk about the idea of, of inclusion, is uh, we provide financial assistance for kids who may not be able to afford to go to a camp, to summer camp. Um, and imagine a, a child with a disability, whether it's uh, a neurodiverse or a physical disability, so often they're excluded from the opportunity to go to camp. Um, yes. So often, so often they aren't giving that opportunity, uh, partly because there there may not be camps that can accommodate them, but also there are mm -hmm. financial needs, uh, and and so the opportunity for us to provide support for kids to go to camp is huge, and it's not only it, it's it's can be life changing for that child for that student, but it's also a huge huge break for parents. And guardians, uh, as well as for the siblings of this student, because uh, if you're a parent, and I can speak firsthand of this, of, of a child with a disability, um, your entire life is spent helping that student in many ways, They're helping that child. Um, Absolutely. And, and so to give the opportunity for the parents to, to have this reprieve, uh, to have the opportunity for the siblings to perhaps get the attention of parents that they might not otherwise have because there's so there's so much work involved with uh, helping a child with a disability. Um, it's a huge thing. So that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm really proud of the number of kids that were able to help to go to camp that that would not be able to do so otherwise. Um, and and one of the other uh, programs that we have that I love is our Fred Sai uh, Leadership Academy, um, and that is uh, there we. These are high, this is a high school leadership program, and, uh, it, and it is there for kids with disabilities, students with disabilities, um, and they may uh, they may it may be a, a student that's uh, on the uh, on the autism spectrum. It could be a student with a physical disability, but they're taught about leadership, both civic. Uh, leadership in their community as well as personal leadership and the uh, and and again I've only been on this job a little more than a year but I've been able to experience seeing these uh, young people at the beginning of the school year where they get together the, for the first time in August and then we hold a graduation ceremony uh, in May and the growth that these young people have by having this experience is phenomenal and it will be it, it is definitely a life-changing moment for these uh for these kids for these young people to go through the program and to have these different experiences and to take that back to their home schools and apply it and and it is uh it's it's incredibly rewarding and the other uh one of the other programs that we do uh Kristen and Paul is is a uh, 
uh, a program that supports teachers through innovation grants. Uh, if a teacher comes to us with an idea and we make it very clear for our role because tax dollars will typically pay for many, many of the things that these teachers need, but there are a lot of things that, that uh, tax dollars won't pay for the teachers. And that's where we step in. Um, you've probably heard that you know teachers spend uh, so much of their personal money uh, in their classrooms. They, they, you know, on the upwards, I think it's somewhere between five hundred to a thousand dollars. In many cases, teachers, on average, will spend <clears throat> to equip their classroom and to do things for their students. Well, that's where we step in. Uh, so, if a teacher uh, is looking to do something, let's use the idea of, of neurodiversity, of creating some sort of a sensory-friendly classroom aspect, uh, we can help support them with that. Uh, uh, one of the other aspects in one of the other grants that we have provided related to that are uh, for students who can't afford even to buy cap and gowns for a graduation ceremony. We step mm. in and do that. And just the idea of a student being able to participate in a graduation ceremony where they might not would have been able to. It's the self-esteem that's grown from that is is just so important. Um, and so that's some of the things that we do. And it is um, it is incredibly rewarding to be able to uh, to play uh, a role in the life of, of uh, helping these kids and the teachers and the parents that uh, that are so supportive of uh, of them over the years as well. That's so beautiful, Tim. And I, I think that when you were talking, I talk, I thought about this word leadership. And mm -hmm. I think that teaching these kids leadership when, when they've been, we all know how kids can be cruel at, to each other at the best of times. Adults can be, sure. you know, sometimes without not even realizing it because they really don't know how to deal with. I mean, one, unless you have a loved one like you do or are are trained in that field like your daughter is your oldest daughter is you really don't know and it's not that people mean to be cruel it's just that they don't mm -hmm. understand and if you hang around people like that and you get to see their their gifts people that have challenges you start to understand that you know they are bright they may express it differently, but they are very bright. They have, for example, I work with people with dyslexia. Let's just use that example. Mm -hmm. One of the strengths of dyslexia is that they can see the big picture. Uh, they may have reading difficulties, but they may have um, amazing gifts. Many actors are dyslexic. Mm -hmm. Einstein was dyslexic. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, amazing. So many people are ADHD or autism or uh, that are that are very successful. It's just that they've been given the resources. Think of these celebrities and business leaders. They have been given the resources to be able to do that and had an environment that would feel safe. But not every family has that, especially now with all the economic challenges. Yep. It's just like you said, and I've seen this um, with with uh, friends and and my friend and friends parents it's just it's a tremendous commitment parenting is a tremendous commitment anyway but to help these children succeed even as they go into adult adulthood which is another conversation entirely is hugely important and hugely empowering not just for the kids but for the parents and that's really an investment in our entire society because these 
wonderful young people that will become adults have so much to contribute. And it's just, it's just a matter of tapping into those gifts. And they're not all uh, designed for that classroom that where, where you just sit in it, okay, 40 minutes for reading, 40 minutes for math, things like that, sit down, be quiet, pay attention. I mean, yes, we all have to do that to function in society, but uh, sometimes that model is kids are restless and exploratory and full of energy, energy by nature. Anybody that has been around kids or has kids knows this instinctively. So being able to understand that and being able to design a model that how they learn best is so important. Don't you think that's inclusivity? That's belonging. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking about one of the other uh, grants that we provide. Uh, and this is to, uh, we provide a grant to a, a, a teacher and, and a classroom that's in a, a special education school. So the entire school is made up of, of students uh, that have disabilities in one fashion or another. And usually, and, and in most cases, they're somewhat severe disabilities because they're, um, uh, they're in an environment uh, that they could not do, they could not really succeed in, in a classroom environment where they're around other uh, uh, neurotypical uh, or, or students. Um, and so uh, one of the one of the teachers proposed this idea of taking her fourth grade class to another school and actually is a private school in the city of St. Louis. Uh, but it's uh, it's a, and to have the fourth grade class from her her uh, school meet a fourth grade class at this private school with primarily neurotypical uh, kids and and, uh, and kids without any disabilities per se and just have them spend the afternoon together. Um, and if you talk about inclusivity, um, the benefit from that is not only huge for the, the, the student with a disability, but it's incredibly beneficial for um, the students in, in this private school that may not have had much uh, awareness or being around uh, children that are different from them and students that are different from them. And so the, the, the idea of what inclusivity can do, belonging can do, is to gain, it helps everyone better understand the world that they're in and the people that, and to recognize the differences and uh, and reward the differences that we all have. Uh, and too often we're in our own bubbles, too often we're in our own, uh, in our own world. And um, to open that up uh, for students particularly, that are at an age that they're so impressionable uh, can I think be be so important and life-changing for those kids. Absolutely, absolutely. And what, if I may ask, what has been the uh, outcome of introducing those fourth graders, two sets of fourth graders that might never otherwise interact? Mm -hmm. what, is, what has been the outcome of that? Have, oh. Has there been more increased peer-to-peer -peer empathy and these kids really mm -hmm. learning that, hey, these hey these kids are just like me and maybe, and it's not just from the fourth graders that, that are from the this private school, these other kids are learning, hey, I maybe Absolutely. thought I, these kids would be mean to me or something like that, mm -hmm. or they, or that yep. they would 
or that they I couldn't yeah. relate to them, but they're just kids like me. They struggle with homework. They they like sports. They like TV shows. They like to play games. They it, fight with their siblings. Whatever it is, it's kind of we all have these different challenges. And but at the end of the day, we're all kids, and they're all they're kids, and I think they're much more accepting at that age if the adults kind of guide them. Uh, mm -hmm. If we, as we say in World Game Changers, we are the riverbank, they're the river. If we're mm -hmm. the riverbank, we can guide this these this river. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and and you know, I think one of the things that, that the takeaways that I've had from from this is it's 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 hugely impactful on on these the students. But you know, there are also parents there as chaperones or parents there as kind of uh, to make sure that this works and the impact on these parents. Um, to to see their kids interacting with us with a child with a disability in various ways is eye-opening for the parents and in many ways um and particularly i think for uh in, in many cases where students are in a private school they are very much kind of in their own bubble uh, and the parents maybe as well and so it's incredibly eye-opening for the parents to see how their child is interacting with a student that may be different and how that works. And, and it's, it's in, 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 and it's particularly fascinating because the, the classroom that, uh, uh, that does this program, um, uh, that, that receives the grant from us so that they can visit with the other fourth, fourth grade class. It's in a, it's in North County of St. Louis and the students that make up this classroom are predominantly students of color in low poverty area, in, in poverty stricken areas of, of our region. And so it's the opportunity that's given to these students to have this interaction and the fact that the uh, this the students from the private school are interacting and learning it is it's three hours but it can have a lifetime of change from from having that time together and you know and and again uh i've only been on this job for a year but i'm i'm hopeful that 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 kind of contact between these students can go on and that there could be interactions in years to come as well so that uh, so that it's just not a one-off that it's something that is transformational and not transactional in that sense so that they can make friends maybe make yeah, lifelong friends exactly and the thing with social media and the internet and connections, which is, of course, uh, uh, another can of worms because of, you know, some of the negative impacts, but the sure. positive impacts of technology mm. and being able to keep uh, keep con connection between these students. Yeah. Paul, do you have anything to add at this point? No, I'm just fascinated to sit back and listen to this um, this 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 dance of. Uh, and what I particularly appreciate about it is it's not a theoretical discussion. You know, Tim, from your experiences, you're, you're talking about what's real, what's happening at the sharp end. This is not some nice, fancy, idealistic philosophy that, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? You know, this is kind of what I call at the coal face. It's mm -hmm. real. It's earthy. It's gritty. It's impactful. And, you know, I did say, listeners, stroke readers, that, um, you know, I kind of sit back and throw one or two comments into play devil's advocate. I've got to tell you, I'm struggling to do that. I'm just fascinated by what's unfolding here. So thank you for the invite, Kristin. But uh, respectfully, 
um, I say no, thank you. I've got nothing to add. <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. And I love the way you say that it's not just fluffy and theoretical, because I think half the time with some of these programs and ideas that are proposed, they're, propose, they're well-intentioned with a lot of what um, Thinker Brandy Hinnon calls a, calls a rah-rah, but they don't really have the nitty-gritty behind them. They don't really have the backing or or the practical experience tim you do and it's so wonderful and to think that you're actually doing something in this space is, is amazing because a lot of there's so many misconceptions even among people that are well-intentioned about what these students actually need and what mm -hmm. uh how how to best create these good outcomes and there's so much so many misconceptions about students with special needs that uh and i love the way that it's empowering them this is yeah. that that there's this power inside them and there's this there's this strength it's kind of like uh there there are so there are so many it's like it's like that book wonder um that was uh, a popular and it was a film a few years ago there's so many wonderful books and movies about kids that are and stories about kids that are different but who overcome and who do great things and of course uh fantasy and science fiction and and so on and interestingly a lot of those kids a lot of the kids are drawn to those stories because those myths of uh uh, the unlikely hero, and mm -hmm. I talk, and I think about the myths of an unlikely hero, and I think about, I believe one you were mentioning one of your camps a little while ago. There's you have uh, an association with a space camp, space theme camp, which kids love. I mean, science mm -hmm. fiction is great, space is great, aliens are great, but it's kind of like, as a science as a science fiction writer, mm -hmm. I know that the that the aliens are sometimes a stand-in for us and how yeah. we interact with with aliens whether it's star trek whether it's star wars call it what you will is a way is a reflection of who we are it's a mirror of who we are all stories are a mirror of who we are but in the fantasy and science fiction realm like a like a harry potter with a with somebody who's very disadvantaged and who grows up to save the world through magic i think that's something that 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 is very uh that is what you're doing you're creating magic but it's also very grounded in in reality and i want to talk a little bit about the parents because i think what you said about the parents is so on point because all parent parents have challenges especially now with everything that's going on in the world there's just so much uh, to focus our attention and so on. But the parents are just so stretched and for them to be able to have that help is so important. So talk a little bit about what this more about what this means from a parenting standpoint with the parents of the students that you help. Well, part of it is um, 
parents often don't know when you have a child with a disability, parents don't know where to go, where to start. Um, right. And, and there is there is truly kind of almost a need uh, to to find a pathway for those parents to know where to where to take their child and what are the resources that are there for their child. And we have some terrific partners uh, with the special school district that we work with. Um, they have an area that's called the uh, Family and Community Engagement Department within the special school district. And, and these are the, some of the true heroes uh, because their whole role, and uh, these folks, most of them come from a social work background, but their whole role is to find the ways and the resources for parents to succeed. And in fact, they work closely with parent with parent advisory groups all across the school districts that they serve uh, so that the parents have a voice and an understanding and a place they can go to find those resources. Um, because I think as, and I can speak firsthand from our own personal experience with my family is, um, you have a child with uh, who's being diagnosed with autism. Okay, what do I do? Where do I go? What are the resources that are there for me to help them? And um, and there may be a lot of noise out there to say that there's these things out there, but you really want to find that guide path, that pathway to help your child. And um, and as a parent, uh, to have those places to turn to is. Um, is essential. And, and luckily, we have enough partners out there that we have partners with the special school district and with others um, to be able to to help those parents. Now, um, you know, I took a call yesterday from, from a, a parent who was asking about our camp program. I mean, school's out already, and they're searching for something for their kids. And they they just, they heard about it from someone else. Um, uh, and it was, they said, can we, can we get our student who's, who has a disability involved with this? And we have a process, an application process that we talk them through. Um, but it's, it's almost as if um, parents are indeed struggling to find those places. And, and it's hard enough for, for a child that doesn't have a disability. But if you have a child with a disability, your first piece is to, to be the caregiver for them. And then the second piece is, okay, what are the resources there for me to find? And it's, it's very, very difficult to do that. But, but uh, there are, um, I, I, Kristen and Paul, I mean, there are enough heroes out there to help them. I, I, I'll share with you a story um, <clears throat> that I, I just, I, it's one of these stories that I just can't let go of because it is so moving to me. Um, and, uh, and for us to be able to facilitate the assistance to help is, is so, uh, so critical. So uh, this goes back a couple of months ago, but it was a Friday afternoon. Um, and you're, you know, on Friday afternoons, you're kind of wrapping up the week. Um, and I get this phone call from a teacher and this teacher is, um, in, uh, in a, a poor area of, of St. Louis County at a school, an elementary school. And she calls me up. She's almost, almost in tears. And she says, I've tried to call folks and I can't reach anybody. And I'm hoping you folks can help. And, ah. and she calls me up and tells me that one of her students, a child with a disability, um, and she's found out that her family has been evicted from their home uh, because the home has been condemned. Um, and this is on a Friday afternoon, um, and she says they have nowhere to go tonight. Um, can you help? Um, now, we aren't in the business of housing, but we are in the business of helping. And And what I told this teacher um was tell you what 
let me run over to a grocery store and I'll get, I'll, I'll, you know, luckily we have the ability to make decisions quickly and I'll buy a gift card um, that will get to you. And at least we can put this family up in a, in a, uh, a clean motel for a few nights so they can get through the weekend and find the assistance for long-term housing um, uh, as the week gets going. And so I ran over to the grocery store, bought a gift card, a Visa gift card. And then this teacher <clears throat> was able to get released from class, drove out to our offices, which is a good 10 or 15 mile drive, um, pick up the gift card, turn around, get back to school in time for this parent, a uh, single mother to pick up her child from school to give her that gift card so that they could go, they could set up in a, in a motel and have some food um, and get through the, the next couple of days so that by Monday and Tuesday, they could reach out to other um, entities to provide the assistance they need so they could provide housing. And in addition to that, I subsequently found out that this uh, this mother also has another child that's severely disabled in another school uh, in in the same area. Um, so they have two children with disabilities that we were able to help. And wow. again, for us, I mean, you know, it, we're not the hero. The hero, the hero is the teacher uh, and the the courageous mother. But the hero is this teacher who saw the need went to as many ways that she could find uh, resources and found them. And, um, and we were able to help. And, and for us, I mean, that's a huge reward, but it's, you know, it's only because folks have, have donated and supported our efforts that we're able to, to do that. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we were throwing thousands and thousands of dollars to help that family, but we were there to help in the interim to get this, uh, to help this family. And, that's what it's all about. Um, and, you know, and, and this teacher is just a true hero. I mean, she is just, um, she is someone uh, who took the extra mile. She could have just as easily said, it's Friday afternoon, I'm going home for the weekend. But no, she stepped up and said, I'm going to help this kid and his family. And, uh, and she did it. And she took the time to do it. And I, I think that's just incredibly rewarding. You know, my my words when I tell that story is, you know, not all heroes wear capes. And this is certainly one example of that. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very often I get stopped in my tracks for, for any reason. <laughs> Uh, but it's always a pleasure to be stopped with something that's humorous. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Tim. I mean, on that note, I mean, let's as we start to kind of wind down in the last five and ten minutes now, you know, that that's a beautiful, I don't even know if it's an anecdote, I don't know what it is, but any more, any more gems, any pearl, any more pearls of wisdom like that, Tim? Because well, isn't it uh, again, language it's... like that, that that bridges gaps? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it does, and it also, I mean, and again, it 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 shows that how I think that people see and respect the differences in all of us. And this teacher certainly saw that to help this family. I'll, I'll share with you one other story. And this was um, shortly after I started on this job. So it was a little, little, little more than a year ago, but I get a call from, from a social worker um, who tells me about a situation um, and she tells me about a child who is on the autism spectrum uh, 
And one of the traits that often happens with a child with autism or a person with autism is that they are a toe tipper, which means they walk on their tiptoes. And I, you know, and I, I have not done enough research to know uh, what the correlation is, but there seems to be traits for, for people with autism have a tendency to be toe tippers. And, and there's, um, there is a way to, to uh, uh, alleviate the issue, but it requires surgery. And they actually go in and, and forgive me uh, for getting a little graphic uh, graphic here, but they go in and they actually clip the Achilles uh, tendon, stretch it out, tie it back together so that the, the person can walk uh, uh, normally without walking on their toes all the time. So she called me up about this and I said, OK, um, so what what can we do to help? And she says, well, he this, this child is scheduled to go to surgery uh, in the coming week. But unfortunately, he and his family, they're living in a rundown extended stay motel. And this child has bed bug bites all over his body from staying um, in this, this rundown place. Can we put this family up in a clean motel for a couple of days so that his wounds can heal and he can have the surgery? And I said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what we want to do. Um, and so we were able to put this family up. Uh, and again, it didn't it didn't solve the long term issues of the poverty that this family is in that led to this. But at least we were able to play a role in the short term to help this child have the surgery to get the wounds healed, to have the surgery. And and we were successful in that so that, again, it addressed one physical issue that this child had. And hopefully, you know, the other resources will come along too and we'll be there to help as needed for that too. But it was one of those situations that um, we were able to step in when nobody else could step in to help this family out. And to me, that is just, you know, and again, the hero is the social worker who identified this issue and sought us out to help. Well, as as you're saying that, Tim, I I think of uh, the proverb that if you think one year ahead, sow a seed. If you think ten years ahead, plant a tree. Yeah. If you think a hundred years ahead, educate the people. Yeah. And I think that you are planting seeds. You're also mm -hmm. planting trees, and you're also educating the people bit by bit. Yeah. Because every little bit helps. You know, you never know what. Uh, life can change in a heartbeat and you never know what impact you're going to have, what that one act of kindness is going to do. Mm -hmm. um, it, it may, at the very least, it may prove to this family that, hey, I'm not alone. And that may give them strength to fight another day. And I hesitate mm -hmm. to use the fighting metaphor, but it is a fight. It's a good fight. Yeah. And uh, to have them fight with uh, with joy because they know that, they have people on their team and it's all about the mentors in, in for example in the hero's journey you have the mentors you have a variety of people that are on the quest with you and those mm -hmm. are the people that that you're talking about and i challenge you by saying you're not you're not a hero you are a hero the fact that you said you're not a hero um means it means that you are a hero because not all heroes go around saying they're they're heroes well. But, but you are a hero as much as everybody else. Everybody else that you've cited, all the wonderful people that you've 
you've talked about, and we hear so much bad news that isn't it great to know that there is this good news out there of all these wonderful people that, like you said, don't wear capes. Yeah. Well, and and you and and so often we think of of these huge um, movements that uh, that impact people, but movements only happen one person at a time. Um, and uh, and one of the things that I have really enjoyed on this job um, over the, the little more than a year that I've been on it is is um, is really tracking the impact that we have. And if I can share one more story with you, um, and it's about a it's it's a twenty year old story. Um, uh, I uh, one of one of our uh, audiologists that uh, that we know and work with that provide uh, hearing aids and hearing assistance for students uh, was rummaging through some papers and found a letter from a parent from parents from twenty years ago, and it's a young man uh, whose name was Malachi, who was at the age of three, I believe, at the time, um, and he had been finally diagnosed and uh, was given hearing aids for the first time. Uh, his parents couldn't afford the hearing aids. They were in seminary uh, here in St. Louis. And uh, and the, the mother wrote this beautiful letter to the audiologist that saw this. And if I can just share a few, um, a few of the, uh, uh, one sentence from the letter, I think um, uh, Malachi notices uh, new sounds every day. He has shown visible awareness to the sound of a car heater, the tires rolling underneath the car, the swish of his snow pants when he walks, the crunch of walking on snow, the leaves blowing in the wind, the soft tap of the keyboard when you type, the sound of a plastic toy when it hits the ground, the little squeaks of bed makes when you sit on it, and more. His vocabulary has improved so well. Now that he can hear the, the S sound, instead of saying Minnesota, he now says Minnesota. Watching Malachi discover a whole new world of sound has touched us deeply. His childlike joy is so precious. Thank you for being a key instrument in making this possible for Malachi. So she, she, we found this letter, and it's just beautiful. Um, and and you know, come, I come from a world of, of journalism, and I said, I want to know this story. This is twenty years ago. What's going on with this uh, with with this young uh, person today? So I had the name. I through the wonders of Google, I typed in the the name of of the parents, found them. They uh, they moved out of St. Louis. They're up uh, in uh, in northern Illinois near Rockford, Illinois. Um, and, uh, and I picked up the phone, a phone number, picked up and called the dad and the dad, uh, when I told him about this, uh, the letter that we had found, the dad, the father, uh, who's a minister, uh, was just overjoyed to hear the story. Uh, and it brought back great memories. And then we talked about how his son is doing. And in fact, his son is thriving. Uh, he graduated, uh, with a degree in chemical engineering just in May, uh, and, uh, and is, uh, is, is found a job back home. He's married to a, to a girl back home. 
Um, and I ended up having a chance to talk to Malachi myself. And he was just telling me about, he, he had no recollection of this happening uh, when he was three years old. But what he did tell me was, and these are things that you learn every day, is just how the advances in hearing aids have happened. Uh, with the hearing aids that he has now, um, it's he can talk on the, they're, they're Bluetooth connected hearing aids. So he can talk on his phone, he can listen to music um, uh, that he wouldn't have been able to before because the advances in technology for his hearing aids allow him to do that. Uh, but he was just, uh, it was a joy to talk to him and a joy to talk to his father. And it just goes to show the the little impact of something that you, that these audiologists did 20 years ago. And the result of that 20 years later is phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that, Tim. Thank you immensely. And I want to bring things to a close now. And I, um, Kristen, I think it's fair to say um, on this Blessed Beyond Belief um, book series that are that's going to fall out of this uh, these these amazing podcasts, these individual podcast episodes. But I don't think, um, and you've read them, Kristen. You've listened to them. You've read them. Um, I don't think we've done one where. I call it the elevator. We close out, Tim, by the elevator. So what that means is I want you to imagine, and this applies to both of you, by the way, uh, by way of summing up and closing. I want you to imagine that I've met you guys in a hotel reception. I've listened to you speak, and then we get in an elevator. And by the time that that elevator goes to the next level in the hotel, let's say, let's put, I don't like being constraining but let's put a time limit of 30 seconds on this and i say to you tim that was absolutely fascinating to listen to you talk in a real pragmatic way about the topic of inclusion but i may not ever see you again it's been great to have met you in the hotel but i want you to i want you to give me something to take away so that if i get involved in a conversation around inclusion by the time this lift gets to the next level in 30 seconds time, give me a message. Give me a message that I can take out to multi-millions. Tim, what would that message be? Well, for me, in terms of inclusion, and I go back to belonging, I, I think everyone needs to belong. Everyone needs to have that sense to belong. And, and belonging really touches every aspect of our life. Um, so the question and the thought that I have is, is um, how can we as individuals ensure that every person that we touch in our lives has a sense of belonging in whatever sense there is? If it's a if it's a person who's panhandling on the street, what can you do to help that person? If it's if you're working at a food pantry and somebody is there uh, needing food for themselves and their family, how can you help them belong? And accepting and understanding, and I think more than anything, listening to where they're coming from. Too often we don't listen. And so I I believe that those are the traits that we need to focus on uh, so that everyone feels wherever they're at, that they belong in the place that they're in. Thank you, Tim. Kristen, same, same, um, same scenario to yourself. I think what Tim said is so on point. And also, I think seeing the gifts within everyone and understanding the gifts that are within all of us and understanding that we all have families, we all have struggles, we just have different struggles and we all wear masks 
And it's kind of, we don't know what another person is going through. So please be kind. Mm. Here, here. And if I can be allowed to answer my own question, um, I'd like to offer six words, which, which for me sums up beautifully, and this is only my own thoughts around what's just transpired over the last um, nearly an hour or so. And it's these six words. Don't be an expert, be inclusive. Mm -hmm. And listeners, readers, I'll leave that thought with you. And all that remains now is to close things out, inclusively, of course, by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? <laughs>